Hello there. This is CSW, creator of Incarnation Red. If you enjoy Incarnation Red and want to help keep it going, support the show on Patreon via the link listed in the episode notes down below. In return, you'll receive a variety of perks ranging from a monthly Q&A slash horror gaming livestream to a chance of having a mini-episode made based off of you and your fears released on the main RSS feed for everyone to hear. Additionally, all patrons receive access to an exclusive patron-only Discord server where you can chat with fans and myself, watch live streams of pre-release episode editing, and join in on regular horror movie nights. I rely on your support to keep the show going, so any amount, no matter how small, will help me bring you more scary stories more often. Link is in the episode notes down below. Additionally, if you are a fan of audio drama podcasts in general and want early access releases plus bonus content from Incarnation Red, absolutely sign up for Apollo Plus, a creator-owned platform where every subscriber helps audio fiction creators for just $10 a month. You can think of Apollo Plus almost as the Netflix of audio dramas, offering exclusive content, ad-free and early access releases, behind-the-scenes content, supercuts, and a whole, whole lot more, all by supporting the creators you already know and love. With Apollo Plus, 70% of the revenue goes directly to us creators and provides all of us, both creator and listener, with a place to enjoy the shows we love, such as Afflicted, 13, and of course Incarnation Red, and a whole, whole lot more. And of course, Hemophobia, my upcoming horror podcast, will be there too, so join Apollo Plus through the Apollo Podcasts app or by going to apollopods.com slash plus, that's P-L-U-S. Incarnation Red is a horror anthology podcast and thus contains material not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You don't want to go in there all by yourself, do you? Episode 7 Running I double over in an alleyway. My eyes dart around me one way, then the other. My knees shake, they, they land me onto the ground, and the concrete grates against my palms. I shake myself, rise back up. I scan the alleyway and see dust hanging in the air. I, I turn the other way and run. I come out onto the sidewalk of an empty street, and the windows are like black eyes staring, faces tightly packed, no cars anywhere. I can't even hear any in the distance. I orient myself, find north and south again, and I recognize the intersection just down the way. I turn and run in the other direction at a tight pace, the open zipper of my jacket jangling against my chest with each step, and parking meters pass me like sentinels with open mouths and no cars in front of them, and I duck and weave around the skeletal trees planted mid-sidewalk, leap nimbly over the sewer grate and the concrete is punching upwards into my feet, and I can't even see the lights of the next intersection. <laughs> I 
to double over again. Heave. I can't not heave, but but I I look behind me and try to listen. I try to swallow, then shake myself back to a stand. Keep running. My footfalls clamor through the streets, bounce off towering windows and stone faces of buildings. The distant red light of the next intersection appears dimly, and I keep on my course towards it, staggering abruptly to lurch out of the way of a metal trash bin, but but my foot clangs loudly against it and the pain is there, but I can barely feel it. I'm, I'm looking back behind me as my feet keep on their repeating motion and they're so goddamn loud and no one is around to hear it, but... But I, I can't see anyone behind me, so I'd, I turn back to my front just in time to catch my toe on a seam in the concrete. I'm thrown forward, onto my face, but I catch myself. Push myself back up while my feet scramble and scrape to a stand again, but a shaky one. My equilibrium tilts and shifts and I stagger, but I... <laughs> I push myself, surge signals into my limbs to sprint to keep going, but the the thought of itself unbalances everything again, so I turn, spot an alleyway just a few paces down, and I jog towards it, my body doubling and hanging as I stumble quick as I can without falling completely. I slip into it, see a dumpster head for it immediately. The lid creaks open. I strangle a gag, and I can see it's only half full. Garbage bags and a half-destroyed chair taking up most of the occupied space. Easily enough room for me. I hike a leg up onto the rim and clamber my way inside, holding the lid open with one clumsy hand. Then, as my other leg falls in, letting the lid slam shut. I can hear liquid all along the bottom of the dumpster, splashing quietly under my steps that I try to keep from happening at all. I'm ducked awkwardly underneath the shut lid half-sitting on a rancid garbage bag. I gasp in deep breaths, feeling the sting of vomit threatening to rise each time I do so, but I choke it back. If my vision is becoming stable again, it's impossible to tell in this darkness. But I wait. Still, I wait. I push the lid back open, standing on the tips of my toes to get it to swing open all the way. The clang is loud, so I turn and use the garbage bags as footing to maneuver my way out, then leave the dumpster behind without closing it. I poke just a little of my head, just the edge of my eye line, out of the alleyway and into the street. I step out fully, look both ways, then continue the way I was going. I'm at a walking pace this time. I'm careful with each step trying to muffle the clap of each footfall before it happens. A quiet flight is just as valuable as a fast one, perhaps more. Either way, I know where to go, and it isn't far away now. I reach that distant intersection, and I take a right, down a street where the buildings start to seem darker than the sky, each blacker than the previous, but one sticks out in a neon glow. I center my sights on it and head for it. It's dead ahead of me and tucked away in the dark fold of a tall, thin building that looks like a concrete cloak hung on a rack. Its second and third story windows are all filthy or shattered, but on the first floor is a small cement staircase leading down to an iron lattice door, a bright neon sign advertising it to the devoid street. I go down two steps at a time and step inside, closing the door behind me. It's not too loud inside at this hour, and the bartender seems to be wrapping things up. On the rightward corner of the bar, a wide-faced man with black hair stares drowsily at a half-empty transparent drink. 
I sit closer to the opposite end of the bar. On a pair of bar stools sits a young couple, whose lips are in constant contact, never separating, even to breathe. Other than this, the bar is empty. The bartender asks my drink, and I order something that I can't even remember just two seconds later. I'm too busy looking around, searching for any more people. All I see is the young man sliding his hand slowly up the girl's skirt, and the wide-faced man slumping further and further until he's looking straight down at the bar, at nothing. The bartender hands me the drink, and I pay in cash right there, immediately raising the glass to my lips. I don't really taste it. A lime floats lamely inside it. I set it back down and look at the room again. The young couple's lips have separated, and they're saying things to one another, both at the same time over the other one. I can't quite tell the intonation of what each is saying. I can't tell if it's positive or negative, but before I can try to listen, their lips are connected again, both of them mid-sentence, like they were saying the sentence into the other's mouth. They kiss with visible tongue and grotesque vivacity. The girl's eye opens and it's looking at me. I look away quickly, focusing back on my drink as I take a sip. As I do so, something smells... awful. I set my drink down and see my hand is stained with sweat and grime. I swipe a finger across my cheek and feel it there too. It only occurs to me now just how much my trip into the dumpster has tarnished my clothes, my hands. I ask the bartender where the restrooms are, then sit up on the stool and go towards them, looking around the bar as I walk. There's still no one else here. The doorknobs tell me that both bathrooms are also vacant. I go into the men's room and can barely see myself in the scratched-up mirror, but I wash my hands and do my best to scrub all the grime from my face. The water is... cold. Much colder than I expected. It's elucidating to the touch, but it's so cold it almost stings, like the cold sweat when one wakes from a nightmare. I take a paper towel and dry off thoroughly, the towel coming away flecked with blackish green. I wet another towel and run it over my face again, just to be sure, and I... It seems the women's room wasn't vacant after all, I think. What a... What a weird thing to, to say, though. Sometimes things happen before you even know it. I leave the men's room. I find my seat again, take a drink and I notice that the young couple has... changed. Their lips have stopped kiss and speech alike, and now they just... stare. Vaguely at the table they're sitting at, but... mostly at... nothing. Their faces are vacant and dead. Unsettled. They blink sluggishly. They barely breathe. The bartender is next to me, and without really knowing it, I ask him what's happened with them. He asks me who I'm talking about. My eyes still fixed on them, I tell him, and his reply comes slowly. Sometimes things happen before you even know it. I, I turn toward him, but he is not, in fact next to me at all. He's in the back of the bar, polishing bottles and glasses. I, I open my mouth to speak, but before I can, 
the wide-faced man raises his head. His eyes are already on me before his head fully raises, without having to search. I, I return the eye contact without knowing what else to do, really, and, and he just stares at me. Eyebrows raised a little, lips a thin slit. He raises his drink and brings it to his mouth, but his mouth doesn't open. He pours the liquid over his closed lips, down his chin and his shirt, dripping onto the bar. All the while his face remains perfectly still. The, the stool clatters to the floor before I quite, quite realize that I am standing, stumbling backwards, still unable to look away from that wide face, plain and frank like, like the surface of the moon. And then I'm stepping over the stool and going, going out the door. Oh god, oh god, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going out the door, and the streets are so impossibly dark, but I run. I set off to run without waiting even to look, my god! Oh, I'm running now, running out. Back in the way I originally came from, back into brighter buildings and quickly past benches and newspaper stands, past bike racks and fire hydrants, straight through intersections without stopping, there's no cars to hit me anyway. I, 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 I can't stop this pace. I have to, to keep going and going like I am, and my eyes are darting frantically looking for cover, for anything that will hide me from it. Anything, anything but I... <laughs> I can't, I can't stop, but I can't keep going, so I grab hold of a street lamp and hang my balance onto it. I need to run. I need to hide. I slip into an alleyway and sprint down the length of it. There's a chain link fence at the end of it. I climb it and hop down to the other side. I reach the other end of the alley, look both ways down the street and sidewalks, and in my searching, a glint of neon catches my eye. I hardly notice any time passing before I'm stepping through the door. I sit on the first bar stool I see and order a gin and tonic, paying in cash. He nods and withdraws to the other patrons. This bar is more crowded than the last one. Groups of three or four populate the bar and tables, all snickering and conversing too loudly to be audible. And yet, at the far end of the bar, a woman is sitting all alone. She sips quietly from her glass. She studies her fingers. Her eye suddenly flickers onto mine, and mine withdraw, but then return. I call the bartender over and tell him to leave the tab open. I gesture to her, tell him that her next drink is on me. The first question I ask her, at least, the first one I even notice I'm asking, is whether she lives nearby. She says she does. I nod, but don't dwell on it. When she tells me her name, I tell her a name. We talk for a while. And I'm not sure I can understand what either of us are saying any more than what anyone else is saying. Because although I say words to her and reciprocate responses based on the words she says to me, I'm not really talking. And I'm not really listening. I'm thinking about her apartment. 
where it is, how far away, how long it will take. I buy her another drink. As we're walking to her place, she asks me why I keep looking over my shoulder. I tell her I don't know. Her apartment is relatively neat. Other than a small coffee table in the den, there isn't much I could trip over. And anyway, we're not heading to her den. She's pulling me to the bedroom. I look at her for several moments before I realize why, a reason I seem to have forgotten. I turn around, determine the best angle of direction from the bedroom to the front door. Then I turn back to her and follow her into the bedroom. is animate atop mine. I'm looking at her nightstand. Her cell phone lays face down atop it. My eyes crawl across the room from there, to her closet, too shallow and full of clothes to be notable, then to her closed bedroom door, to the doorknob I would have to turn, then down to the floor, the carpet. Other than my shoes and socks that she coyly insisted I remove, the floor is uncluttered. Nothing to slip on, nothing to catch my foot. Then up to her dresser, covered with a variety of small objects, but nothing very sharp, nothing very blunt. And next to that, a tall, full-body mirror, angled such that I can only just barely see the edge of her hair. And my own pale, wide-eyed face. I turn back to her. I go through the motions that her face seems to desire. In no time, though, I turn my head leftward, looking at the window just beside her bed. It's bolted and locked, with an additional screen on the outside of the window. I mentally rehearse what motion of the hand would be needed to pry open the lock. I try to quantify how much force would be needed to knock the screen out of place. While I'm looking at it, I see her reflection in the glare of her bedroom light on the glass. And her reflection, it's... I, I, I turn back toward her bedroom mirror and see. It's looking right at me. It's looking right at me. It's looking right at me. My body hits the floor, knocks into the nightstand and throws her cell phone down with me. Scrambling up to my feet, my hand lands on it and takes it with me while my other hand grabs at my shoes. It grabs at my shoes, but I can't get a hold of them. I stagger up and flail and scrape and claw at the doorknob until it opens and I'm out. But then she's out. It's out. Standing in front of me. Standing between me and the front door. So I divert, sprint backwards into the bathroom, slam the door, lock it. I open her phone, tap for an emergency phone call. Dial 911, then stop. Frustration seizes me and I slam the phone on the bathroom counter. I hear her voice on the other side of the door, calling for me. My fingers rake my scalp, 
Sweat pours down my face. It's over. It's all over! This premature grave is about to be filled and there's not a goddamn thing I can do about it. I can't escape. I can't fight it. And I sure as hell can't call the police when nothing has even happened to- For as long as I can remember, I... I can't even describe what it is. I clench my hair, lightly slap my face, but I... I can't think of a single feature. Can't name a single quality. Nothing apart from the fact that it was behind me. And I was running from it. She's still calling my name. Knocking on the bathroom door. I stand motionless. Then my legs stiffly move me forward. Toward the door. Toward the doorknob. I close my eyes. I touch the deadbolt with the tips of my fingers. Then I turn it slowly, slowly to one side. on my jacket and shoes and apologized both profusely and vaguely, I step out of her apartment building and back onto the street. I pause and close my eyes and remember. Then I open them and start walking, not quickly or quietly. At length, I finally reach my apartment. I stare at the door, at the peephole I can't see through. It's quiet. There's no sign of anyone else's presence or of any disturbance inside or out, or of anything. Not of anything at all. So I step in. I drop my keys on the side table. It's dark inside, so I turn on the lights. Everything is as I remember it. I remove my jacket, hang it by the door. I inhale, exhale. I'm home. My eyelids are pressing themselves shut. My muscles and limbs belatedly realize their exhaustion. My bedroom is at the far end of the hallway, and my body instantly craves the welcoming embrace of my bed. My legs are searing from so much goddamn running. And I'm ready for bed. But if I... if I was wrong, and there was something, if there was a disturbance inside, if there was someone else's presence. But I'm not wrong, so I don't need to think like that. It's all over now, no matter what wandering thoughts I have, no matter what delusions I subconsciously project, and no matter what 
lingering sounds there might be in my apartment right now. My sleepy eyes can barely take any more consciousness, so I... I really need to go down that hallway and through my bedroom door. So I start to walk. One step at a time. After... After all this running, I have to retrain my brain. Train it not to interpret things like distant cracks and distant wheezing as anything other than what they are. Train it not to make a bigger deal than necessary, even if I hear or think I may have seen something that I didn't. Even if I did hear something unusual, something that I can't imagine any apartment or upstairs neighbor or any living thing on this planet be the source of it. It doesn't mean anything. I've seen and heard many things tonight that were surely not real. I've witnessed so many strange events and heard so many strange things that even if I did hear something right now, and even if it was unlike anything else I've heard tonight, it, it doesn't mean anything. I'm almost at the bedroom door now. And it's so late. And I'm so tired, so... I need to go inside. And go to sleep now. That's what I need to do. But before I can do that, I... need to turn on the bedroom light. And before I can do that, I need to remind myself that when I do turn it on, I'm not going to see anything. I'm not going to see anything because there isn't anything there. There won't be anything there, so there's no reason at all for me to be searching the darkness as deeply as I am right now, no matter what I hear from inside of it. All I need to do is turn on the lights. So I do. And something is there. At least I see something. But that doesn't mean that, that something is actually there. Just because I see it doesn't mean that, that it sees me. Because for that to happen, it would have to be real. And it's not real even if it seems to be looking right at me. And even if it can move, that doesn't make it any realer. Even if it's moving directly towards me, it, 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 it just seems to be. It can't actually be because it isn't real. It isn't real at all, and I'm not even going to entertain the idea that it is real until I feel its touch, material and solid flesh as real as my own. Until I feel it, I can take firm rest in the certainty that this thing I am looking at right now is not real, not in my bedroom, not looking at me, and not so close to me right now that I feel it's
I double over in an alleyway. My eyes dart around me, one way, then the other. Incarnation Red is created, written, narrated, and edited by CSW. The opening theme was written and performed by Annika Hansen. All music and sound effects used in this podcast are created in-house from scratch. Special thanks to Annika Hansen for contributing voice acting work to this particular episode. For more information and regular updates, follow me on Twitter at CSW underscore horror, or visit my website CSWHorror.com, or like the show's Facebook page, Incarnation Red, as always, spelled R-E-A-D. For behind-the-scenes looks and other scary content, you can follow me on TikTok, or you can follow me on Instagram at IncarnationRed. Thank you for listening.